This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 52 of the Stacey West podcast. Uh, If we did one of these a week, this would be our anniversary, but we've done more or less, whatever, whichever way around it is. But I'm Ben and I'm joined by Gary. How are you getting on? I am getting on very well. It's less, isn't it? Yes. If we only reach 52 after our year's anniversary, uh, we, we took a summer off like teachers, didn't we? We put our feet up and uh, <laughs> did very little. Well, actually, I, I wrote a hell of a lot about constant speculation that goes on through the summer, but I didn't do it whilst talking to you. No, it was, uh, I mean, you, you say like teachers. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bite my tongue on that one because I used to work in a school in a support role and it was uh, it was very interesting over the summer because we basically had the run of the place. But uh, anyway. Um, well, my ne- both my both my next door neighbours are teachers and um, they were out in their garden every day all the way through the summer. So, Oh, we'll say no more then. There it is. There it is. But uh, anyway, yes, we'll, um, we'll, we'll start as ever uh, talking about the latest match, which was Tuesday night away at Rochdale. And um, I think your headline on the uh, on the blog this week got it absolutely spot on that it was it really was the most cliche of cliches, wasn't it? It was uh, it, it really was a game of two halves. We were just poor in the first half, and then the second half, I, d- I don't know what happened at half time, but they came out and they the different side really, weren't they? Yeah, I think we tried to force it a little in the first half as well. Um, I mean, Rochdale, obviously, at home, they wanted to start at pace, and I think they did. And I think when you've got a team of players that are low on confidence, and that's not to say that ours are not particularly low on confidence in terms of performances on the field, because up until probably Bristol Rovers, we weren't that bad. And we weren't that bad up against Bristol Rovers in the first 15 minutes of each half. But obviously, with everything that's gone on, our players are going to be feeling a little bit jaded, a little bit in no man's land, no matter what they say, no matter what the official word is. And I think when you've got a team that come out and hit you hard early doors, and then you concede early doors as well, that really showed. And I I think when we conceded against Bristol Rovers, it showed as well. And no disrespect to Jamie, but I think conceding a goal when you haven't got your regular manager in the dugout or a regular manager in the dugout does make a big difference. 
And I think Jamie is a, a great character. He's done a terrific job trying to steady the ship. He's not a manager. And I think that was evident. I think after we conceded the goal against Rochdale, we were more scared about conceding a second than we were asked about going up, up front and scoring another one. Mm. Um, and we needed half time. And I, you know, I think arguably you could say that we took a knock with a couple of missed chances on Saturday against Bristol Rovers and that hit the confidence. And you could then see it was almost like we didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. And certainly without Bozzy on the field, that's a real telling. We concede against Bristol Rovers, struggle to get back into the game and look low on confidence. Struggle uh, concede against Rochdale, struggle to get back in that half and look low on confidence. Neither half had Michael Boswick in. I think I think that's really telling. Yeah, absolutely. The um, the, the the lack of Bozzy. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't watched today's press conference yet, so I'm not entirely sure whether it's um, whether it's been mentioned about this, the state of his injury, whether it's going to be. Uh, slightly more longer term than just a couple of games or not but um it, it definitely looked like he was uh well he, he was sorely missed on on Tuesday night but having said that I thought Kean Bolger did an excellent job on um on Tuesday I thought uh despite the fact that we uh you know we did concede fairly early um it wasn't for it wasn't down to um to Kean I thought it was a it was a mistake from Vickers um, that that allowed the goal and uh, yeah, I, I just thought Kean Bolger's looking really like he's trying to stake his claim, um, but it's it's obviously proving mm. very difficult given uh, given the other players that we've got in the, in central defence. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Kean Bolger. I like Shackle. I like Boswick. When I said we missed Boswick, I meant in terms of leadership. I meant in terms of that kind of getting right up players getting right in their face, do you know what I mean? Pushing them mm. on, driving them on, maybe giving them a little bit more confidence. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that that was particularly the reason. I just think that it's an interesting correlation. But I think in terms of actual ability, um, I think Ian Bolger is a more than capable centre-back. Um, I do think probably some of the goals we're conceding can almost be attributed to a little bit further up the field, maybe in the holding midfield area. Um, because if you look at the possession that Rochdale, Rochdale had, a lot of it was coming back and forth across the front of the 18-yard box. Well, your centre-backs are going to want to be penalty spot when that's happening and you're going to be relying on the, on your two um, holding midfielders to come back. So, But again, I'm, I, I'm not apportioning blame. I'm not going to say it was Vickers' fault. He could have done better with the shot if somebody had got a tackle in the shot wouldn't have come at him so I'm yeah I'm not going to point to Josh I think it's in the a keeper's an easy scapegoat um and and those that are kind of saying well it's time to think about another keeper just have a quick look back at the Rotherham game uh, mm. and then come back at me because you know it's easy to blame a goalkeeper for not making the right save, just as it's easy to blame a striker for not putting a ball in the net. But if the striker's not getting the right balls to put in the net, he gets to blame, even though it's those around him. Similarly, if the keeper's getting exposed and getting shots at him, he's not going to save everyone. Um, but I, I thought on the whole, after that, I thought Josh had a good game. And if he did feel that it was his mistake, um, I, I thought that he, he got back into it well. I don't think he let it knock his confidence, which was really good. Yeah, I... Can't help but agree with you on that one. I think it was uh, it it was. I, I, I'm by no means I was saying that you know Vickers should be dropped for the next game and Smith should come in or anything like that. I think um, it, it was a mistake from him, and I think he, he'll hold his hands up and admit that. But um, he is our first choice keeper for a reason, and I think he's uh, you know he's he's proven himself week in week out at the minute. As I say, with with the minor exception, um, 
he still made, I think he made some decent saves. I think he made a couple in the second half um, and he definitely made uh, a, a couple of decent stops, you know, in, in the previous week. So I don't think people calling for his head at the moment are, the, are in the right. It's obviously just reactionary, but um, yeah, I, the, the first half, um, it, it really wasn't great, was it? it? It sort of looked like we were, like you said, I think we were laboured. I think we were, we were really trying to force the game. Um, and it's a little bit like what Jamie said on uh, Saturday afternoon after the after the Bristol game, where he said that they, they were trying too hard to almost prove the point that they'd gotten past what had happened the week before. Um, and I think... Um, the, the way I've seen it described this week is as a bit of a hangover. Like, you know, the, the Saturday and Tuesday games, first half at least, was uh, Saturday was the start of a big hangover in the second half. Uh, first half on Friday, uh, sorry, first half on Tuesday uh, was like the second part of that hangover. Um, but then half time came and went and we came out the blocks on uh, on Tuesday night in the second half, absolutely raring to go. And it, it looked like the team that we'd seen previously in the season you know the first few weeks where we were almost taking teams apart for fun I think it was there was an aggression there but it was a controlled aggression and it was directed in the right way I think Toff had possibly the best game that I've seen him play in the Lincoln shirt he was absolutely you know outstanding all game but second half he was getting stuck in he was partnering with Bruno really well again um, and obviously provided the cross for the goal and uh yeah, there wasn't a huge amount I could fault in the second half. Um, and then when John Akindi came on after 80 minutes, I think he changed the game even further. I think he, they didn't know how to deal with him um, in the way that we were playing him. And I personally, I know that you're not you're not sort of buying into it just yet. Um, I, I know why you're chuckling. And I know, mm. I, I, well, I know what you're going to say. And I know you're not buying into it, but... I think for a slightly different reason some, than some other people, I think it's uh, it's worth starting with two up top on Saturday. Um, how many people the- said that during Danny's reign when we were winning the title? How many people were questioning? You go, we're 180 minutes outside of his reign and people want to change. 4-2, 3-1, put us on top of League One. You have 80 minutes of... On, on on Tuesday. So what we're actually saying is we had 35 minutes on Tuesday playing 4-2-3-1 where we were battering Rochdale. And then we have 10 minutes against tired defenders when Big John comes on and everybody wants to change. It, honestly, man, it baffles me. It baffled me last year when whoever was coming off the bench was the one that should start. And people don't see that you've got defenders who have been playing for nearly an hour and a half with stoppages and everything. And then you've got this fresh defender, fresh striker coming. It's why Matt Reed looked so good last year. It's because he was this big burly bastard and the defenders were tired and they didn't know what to do with Matt Reed because they've been battered for 80 minutes trying to chase Matt Green or Tyler Walker or whoever. Do you know what I mean? Reactionary, yeah. Ben. You're being reactionary. No, I, I think it was even before the game, I was saying that I think it might, you know, f- for me, I think we've, we've been not necessarily struggling for 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 goals, but we've, we've certainly not been creating quite as many chances over the past few weeks. And I just thought, um, I thought before the game, you know, it, two up top, I know we've only got two sort of recognised strikers, but personally, I, I think um, George Grant or maybe Bruno could, could deputise if necessary. Um, you know, as a sub, not necessarily for a full ninety minutes, but I, I'd like to see it given a go um, because I, it, it looks to me like Walker plays a little bit better when he's got somebody to play off um, in the form of John. 
and it it looks a little bit like John feels more comfortable when he's playing as a two. Um, but again, that's that's your one moment there for Jane where we'll uh, we'll disagree uh, <laughs> this week. But uh, no, yeah, we'll I, agree. I, we'll agree on one thing. We'll agree on the fact we haven't been creating as many chances. We created eleven against Rochdale, five on target. Eleven against Bristol Rovers, one on target. Eight against Wickham, four on target. Five against Doncaster in the checker trade or whatever it's called now. Two on target. Whereas at the beginning of the season. Um, we had Rotherham three on target. Oh no! Wait a minute. No, that's that's actually fewer. Ah. Yeah, maybe we don't agree then. Uh, no, but then obviously, <laughs> no, fourteen against Accrington, twenty against Huddersfield, fourteen against Southend, twenty-seven against MK Dons, uh, even ten against Everton. So I buy it, but nothing's particularly changed. That's the key. That's the thing to think about. And the problem you've got when you're going four four two is what do you go to later in the game if it hasn't worked? Because you've got to bring one of them off. You can't go four four two when you've got two recognised strikers playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It's not possible. And also, these days, most teams don't set up in a four four two. And I know people don't like these modern formations. And I always used to be a man that said, football's easy. You play a ball playing midfielder and a tackling midfielder, two wingers. You play a little man, big man up top. Do you know what I mean? I, I was a big four four two fan. But who? what have we played? Rochdale, four two three one. Bristol Rovers, three five two. Wickham, four one four one. Doncaster, four two three one. Everybody sets up a little bit differently now. And if we were to go 4-4-2 in every game, we would be too predictable. Whereas if you go 4-2-3-1, depending on how they're set up, the one in the middle of the three, Jack Payne can either drop back a little bit to make it a little bit more like a 4-5-1 uh, perhaps. Um, it depends. Wingers can sometimes tuck in and make it a little bit more like a 4-3-3. You can, it can generically and fluidly on the field, you can change very quickly. But if you go four four two, what you're essentially saying is that Jack Payne might be going out wide, um, or you're going to look at Tyler and John, and then maybe bring Bruno or George on at some point. But you don't have the option to change as fluidly when you've got Tyler Walker and John Akindi up front because they are both strikers. And if you want to suddenly in the middle of the first half, you're under a bit of pressure. You want to press. You want to go to a four five one. Who's going to drop back? John Akindi's not. Tyler Walker's not. So you're very rigid when you're on the field. If you play four four two, the two, the, the one of the two has got to be somebody that can drop. Somebody like probably Shay McCartan, who could actually play both. Jack's probably a little bit small for me um, to play as as the partner in a four four two. It's an interesting debate. I mean, I, I just. I, I, I get it. I, I, I remember at one point when Peter Jackson went 4-3-3 and I was one of the reactionary ones that was chanting 4-4-2 from the stands at him um, when we beat Accrington 5-1. So I've done it. I understand it. But it's it's too easy to say Tyler's isolated up front. The question is, okay, if you, you, you've got to rob Peter to pay Paul in a formation... So if you're playing 4-2-3-1 and you suddenly take somebody and put them closer to Tyler Walker, where are you taking them from? What are you suddenly going to do by taking that player and moving him further forward? There's going to be a, there's going to be a knock-on effect, isn't there? Cause and effect, all that sort of thing. So I'd just be I, that that's my caution with it. Yeah, I I I get the I get the sort of, you know, who's going who's going to come out and who's going to um who's going to play um where and who's going to, you know, have to sacrifice the, the spot or whatever. But 
I, yeah, I, I, I don't like using the term because I know you absolutely hate it. Of well, as you mentioned there, just the, the like he looks a bit isolated up front. It's it, it is true at times, um, and it's it's a difficult one. But I, I'd, I'd like to see just a small change um maybe on on saturday um and i know it's going to be difficult given the given the strike situation that we've uh, you know that we've got but anyway um let's move on to um the uh, the manager talk unless there's anything else you want to touch on on rochdale uh, i'd like i because i haven't really talked about the second half i think you, you were quite right i thought harry toffolo was superb um, I just thought it was a great way to bounce back and they proved me wrong because I, at half time I thought, you know, we need a new manager and, and I, I happily tweeted it out and I'll always kind of, you know, keep my tweets there and, and I certainly didn't delete it um, because they proved me wrong and I think we looked really good in the second half. Um, I think we've got more to come from Callum Connolly. I think he's still finding and feeling his way into the to the um, team at the moment and I think he was probably trying to force some balls that over the course of the next week or two he won't still think that Morel and Connolly dynamic is our midfield pairing and we talk about the injury crisis with Freck and, and Ben Coker and Tom Pett those players are going to struggle to get in the side when the side plays as well as it did in that second half. And nobody's going to displace mm. Harry Toffolo. The only way that Harry Toffolo doesn't start at left-back is if somebody in the Championship needs a left-back in January. That's how good he is. Um, we need to get contract talks opened with him sooner rather than later because he's he's come on for me this season. He's just come out with the blocks. His attitude is fantastic. Um, you know, He's grounded. He says the right things in his interviews and he's the defensive element of his game, he's looked better and better. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I think he's a, he was superb, absolutely superb. It was a good team effort and it was yeah. great to see Tyler get the touch as well. Yeah. Um, although initially I don't think, uh, I don't think the club noticed that one, which was uh, <laughs> led to some amusing stuff on social media, shall we say um, today. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think you, you've got it you know sort of between us i think we've got it more or less bang on there with the um the, the reaction of of the players at the, in the second half i i just think it was um it was needed and uh the i i honestly thought at you know at 1-0 uh, sorry at 1-all i i honestly thought we were going to go on and win it because we've seen us do that several times before um admittedly you know under under some different management but over the past couple of years, I think we've been a little bit spoiled for those last minute dramatic, uh, you know, last gasp winners. And I, I was sort of hoping for another, uh, another forest green away, but uh, it wasn't to be. And but I, it was definitely a game where you came away from it going, I know it's another cliche, but I'll take the point on that one. It's uh, yeah. Decent, decent performance in the second half. And overall, uh, I think we've, more than deserved the, uh, the the point. So, right now, let's get into manager chat. Um, as I think most people will be aware, um, and potentially at the time that this goes out, who knows what's been announced or what hasn't. But um, it, it's sounding more and more like um, Michael Appleton is the man that we are uh, targeting. Um, whether he's been the man that we've been targeting from day one 
is uh, is currently open to interpretation because that's uh, certainly been the wording that's been put out. I think by I think Michael Horton tweeted um, that the uh, he was the preferred tar or preferred candidate. I think the wording was, but uh, I know at the moment there's a lot of uh, a lot of speculation about you know, what's going on and, and who's who's turned us down or anything else. But um, all I'll say is that it's it's looking like quite an exciting appointment, which I didn't think I'd be saying um, when I first heard the name Michael Appleton, uh, which was, uh, I think it was our good friend Peter uh, put on Bury Me in Exile uh, in the, the post he did after Danny and Nicky left. Um, there was a really good post there where he singled out Appleton as a potential candidate and a, a strong one at that. So the more I've read about him this week, the more he the more he seems to make sense for the club and he it, it seems like a really good fit. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, get sort of your take on, on what's gone on since, uh, Sunday it was when we last spoke. Yes. Since Sunday. Well, first of all, I think if you look back to the day that Danny left, which was 10 days ago now, I was asked to do an article on football league world before it had been confirmed by Huddersfield, three managers that I thought Lincoln should consider, uh, if Danny goes to Huddersfield. Um, and I picked Gareth Ains with Michael Flynn and Michael Appleton. Um, so he was somebody I was always aware of predominantly from my work with Football League World because whenever a job popped up last year it was Appleton, Gary Bowyer, Daryl Clark, Paul Hurst they were the names that were getting mentioned in League One um, as, as potential managers he was linked with the Hibernian job when uh, their manager left before Paul Heckenbottom went there at the end of last season as well um, so certainly somebody that I was aware of uh, I'd be very, very cautious anybody who's looking at his first three jobs and saying he failed. His record isn't great at Portsmouth, um, Blackpool and Blackburn, but they were probably the three crisis clubs. The only thing I think was at fault was his judgment in picking the jobs. And it may be, mm. like our play in times against Rochdale, that he was looking to force the issue. And I think when he came out of the Blackburn job, he took 18 months, I might be wrong on the, the, the time scale, but he took time to um, pick Oxford United. And in the interview with uh, Not the Top 20 with George Ellick, he, he said that he picks pick the club, not the level. So if somebody says, would you drop into League Two, it, it's irrelevant whether you drop into League Two or not. It's whether the club presents the sort of opportunity that you can develop, um, which I, it, it was a good interview. There's a few interviews and a few bits and bobs that people now have looked at now that they've seen that he's a candidate and gone, actually, this would be quite a good guy. And um, I remember listening mm. to the Not The Top 20 pod at the time. I listened to his and I listened to Daryl Clark's. Daryl Clark didn't impress me too much, actually. Um, but Michael Appleton did. And I just got the feeling that what, what was there was this really exciting coach who was considering his next move very, very carefully in that he wasn't going to go into a basket case club. He wasn't, he was going to go in a club where he could not just make a difference, but where he could become a championship manager the right way, not by hopping from Portsmouth to Blackpool to Blackburn. Um, in terms of his style of play, you'll be delighted to know in his last season at Oxford, 65%, I think, of his time was spent playing 4-4-2. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that's. that's uh, uh, I wondered what that comment was going to be. Not that I had any whatsoever. <laughs> well, you have read my blog on the subject uh, that I've recently published. <laughs> so, um, no, I mean, lots of his play is either 4 4 2, 4 2 3 1, or 4 
uh, 4-4-1-1, which was essentially what we played last season. So he's, he's the players aren't going to be making wholesale changes to the way that they approach the game, assuming that we get him. Um, I do think that he'll look at bringing another striker in, in the January window. Uh, I do think if it is Appleton, he will be getting a chunkier budget in the January window as well. Um, there was some comments mm-hmm. from uh, Oxford fans that I've read that suggested he was more of a head coach than a man who does the recruitment. So I wonder if it might mean some form of restructuring, whether we might not see it, but it might be that, that Jez George is more involved in the transfer dealings. And if I've got a concern, that might that might be it in that our previous management team, and it's almost like Voldemort, isn't it? You're not allowed to say their names. Um, but our previous <laughs> management, yeah, but they, um, you know, they, they were very much about signing characters as well. And it's why we've got the good squad that we have. Having a look down uh, Michael Appleton's list, there were not many misses. He had a relatively high turner of lo- lo- turnover of loan players, but he got some really good loan players in. Um, Tony Martinez jumped out, Dan Crowley, um, who... Nearly sounds like Voldemort, um, but he he went to Birmingham <laughs> and he did lots of deals with the likes of Arsenal, Everton, Manchester United. He signed players from the under-23 squad. I think he took Kamar Roof from West Brom and turned him into a £4 million player with Leeds. He loaned Tyler Roberts, I think, from West Brom as well. I might be wrong about that, but I know he had Tyler Roberts, who then went to Leeds United as well. So he's got a really good record with young players. Expect Jordan Adebayo Smith to be recalled. Um, because mm-hmm. I think that he'll want to work with a slightly bigger squad uh, as well. So, I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, he was at the Rochdale game. Um, as you said, we've got to talk a little bit about the other two as well, because both of them have more or less like reaffirmed their passion for their, their current team. Oh, and by the way, Matt Taylor mm-hmm. uh, and Dean Wagstaff, if you're listening, turned down now. I think the Matt Taylor thing's bollocks. Um, I don't think that we were the we were the ones that approached Matt Taylor. I might yeah, I might be wrong. I'd stand corrected, but um, I can't see that. I wonder if that might have been Southend. But anyway, yeah, that that didn't that didn't make sense to me no. when when it was uh, when it was sort of you know came out that there was uh, an approach from an unnamed football league club. I thought, well, he, he doesn't seem like the fit for us at the minute. But of course, obviously, we're the uh, we're the bigger team. You know, we're the big name team that's. In, well, I say big name team with a big name team in in our league looking for a manager at the moment, and it would be it'd be a step up for him. And I just thought, well, it doesn't something didn't sit right with me when that uh, when that news we, came out. We were an opportunity. I, I make no secret of the fact that had I been presented with the three candidates that I said on the on the ninth, Gareth Ainsworth would probably have been my first choice. Uh, and so I'm not going to start backtracking on that now. However, I don't think that there was ever any serious intention of his to come here. I think that it was used as a, a vehicle to forward um, the, the agenda at Wickham, which, mm-hmm. you know, arguably, if there's a situation that arises and you're a clever football manager, you use it to your advantage. That's perhaps what Exit City have done a little bit in that, you know, they've put it out there that, that uh, somebody's approached Matt Taylor and everyone's put two and two together and got five and Matt Taylor's come out of it. Go uh, looking like he's turned down a, a top League One club to stay at Exeter, and it kind of lifts Exeter, so it's clever again. Uh, Michael mm. Flynn, a manager that I I wouldn't have been sad to have seen come, but as I said, I think on the podcast before, my major concern with Flynn was the Tilson angle, in that 
Newport player, Newport manager, lives in Newport, businesses in Newport, already passed over for a couple of other jobs last season. Just there was a little thing at the back of my mind that was saying, possibly, is that going to be an issue? Done a great job in Newport, really good job. And again, I, I, I wouldn't have been disappointed had he been um, given the job. But at the same time, there was there was just that little niggle. And there's a little niggle with all of them. I said there is with Appleton over whether the, the, the transfer business and the fact he's, you know, that, that early kind of spell in his career. Um, but I don't for one second believe that Michael Flynn turned us down. Yeah. Don't think Yeah. Don't think that's Clive's style. Um yeah, so I'm I'm sort of in the same boat with you on that one. Um, definitely in terms of, um, in, in terms of, you know, what could have happened. I think that the wording was very, um, it was very deliberate in Newport's statement when they put it out. Cause I think it was something along the lines of, um, we, uh, we received an approach for, uh, the services of Michael Flynn and, um, we gave Michael permission to speak to the, the again, unnamed club. Um, maybe it was South End, who knows? Um, but, you know, we, we gave Michael permission to speak to the club um, and those discussions are now at an end. So at no point in that does he say, I turned it down. You know, at no point does he say, I, um, you know, I, I looked at it and I thought at this point in time that Newport County is the best job for me at the moment. It was, it was just one of those... Like you say, I'm now reaffirming my commitment and and all this. It's like that sounds a little bit like what somebody that's just been knocked back might say to kind of save a little bit of face, maybe. But yeah, I, I my gut feeling says we probably did try and get Gareth. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'm I'm not going to be the person that in the term now says, well, my captain was our first choice all along. Maybe he was. I don't know. I'm not in the know in that respect, but my gut feeling and the Daily Mail report. I know people. I pick and choose the uh, the reports that feel credible. Um, so, like with the Danny to West Brom ones, it came from the Press Association, and we kind of picked it apart a little bit. But I, yeah, I think probably history is, or, or, or what's happened since, has kind of suggested that maybe that might not have been a million miles away. And it was Press Association, and it was in what I would class as a reputable news source. Um, I feel the same about the Daily Mail. Uh, Tom Farmer is a journalist who doesn't, you know, he's. He's not Justin Allen of the Sun looking to sensationalise everything. So, yeah, had it appeared in the Red Top, had it appeared on Football Insider or um, the Seventy Two or something like that, you would have kind of gone, "Looks like a crock of balls, actually." But yeah, I, I have a feeling that maybe we did want Gareth. Mm. Uh, having said that, I also don't for one second think that Clive would go, "We'll want him." and piled all his eggs in one basket. Possibly when we got Danny and Nicky. Oh, no, I've said it. Hmm. I've said it. I said their names. Possibly when we got uh, Danny and Nicky in. Yeah, they were the outstanding candidates at the time. But the situation that we're in right now is is that we can be a little bit more choosy, a little bit more picky. There will be a number of people. And Clive will have wanted, and the board, I mean, it's not just Clive, but the board are you know, intelligent set of people who have been involved in business a long time. And they'll know that you take your time, you look at all the candidates, so it's easy to say that was our preferred candidate, but 
if they had two or three with different strengths and weaknesses and they picked one and then they've moved on to another one, it's it's not necessarily that that guy was the second choice. He was a choice that they have gone for. Mm. Um, I know literally he was the second choice, but do you know what I mean? It, it, it's almost like you, you do pick strengths and weaknesses, but it's not like we've settled, if you know what yes. I mean. I've just realised how ridiculous that says that us the, the person that we we go to second isn't our second choice. Obviously, it is, um, but I, I understand what I'm trying to get across. And if you don't, yeah, I, that's I, tough. I get what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> good. I'm pleased. We, as long as you get me, Ben, you understand me. I like that. I feel like we have an understanding. Yeah, I mean, it, it does sound like we're going to have to go through couples therapy at some point, but uh, we'll. Um We'll, we'll cross that bridge. That's when we come just to. weird, especially <laughs> given the anybody who's on Twitter and bear in mind it's now twenty to seven on Thursday evening. But anybody who's on Twitter and has just seen the picture that I've put out promoting the Stacey West pod recording right now, uh, it makes your last comment even weirder. Oh, for God's sake! I'm going to have to try and find this now, aren't I? Live? Yeah, no, live not right reaction. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, live, live reaction. Oh dear God, Gary. <laughs> and Bob's sent me that picture. And for anyone now that's listening who's got access, if you go to Twitter, it's on my Stacey West feed. It'll be a little bit further down because no doubt I'll tweet some rubbish out in between now and then. But um, Bob's actually sent me an email with, this has got to be a picture for the Stacey West podcast, hasn't it? And all I needed to do was get the trophy. I'd got a picture of me looking down already, and I've spent more time stalking your Facebook photos, looking for pictures of you pulling a funny face than you could imagine. I am locking down my Facebook from now on. I'm, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> and Rachel's on my side. You know it. If I say to oh, Rachel, yeah, Rachel, do me actually. a favour. Go through all your pictures and find a picture that makes it look like Ben's just soiled himself in public. She'll send me a picture that's made, that looks like that, and then I'll I'm be able to use sure, it. I'm pretty sure you won't have to find a photo that looks like that one. I'm pretty sure there probably is a photo of that exact moment. <laughs> anyway, um, right, we'll, we'll we'll move away from from manager speculation now because I say I by by the sounds of it, it looks like things might be heading to uh, heading to an appointment. Hopefully. Um, touch wood Friday or Monday, um, but we will see. I'd like to see an unveiling at the bank um, on Saturday, but we will, you know, we'll obviously see what happens there. Um, and speaking of the bank on Saturday, we've got Oxford coming to town. Now, Oxford, um, a team that have only failed to score once so far, I think, this season, um, which was at the weekend against, no, it was uh, last Tuesday night against Bolton, um, which is a an odd result because I I would have thought that you know Bolton obviously got pasted again at the weekend. Um, is it going to be another one of those where you think right that they, they might be almost a bit like a wounded animal because they they feel they may have or they should have taken something um, on Tuesday night? No, um, Bolton won't get many more tankings. Uh, it, it happened on Saturday because they put a lot of professionals in who hadn't had a preseason. Uh, and they came up against a, a half-decent side. But I, I can't see that happening anymore. Um, Bolton actually had uh, more shots uh, against Oxford. So, um, sorry, no, they didn't actually. They had two less shots, but they had as many shots on target as Oxford. Um, so, I, no, I, I don't think so. I think Oxford have actually had a really poor season so far. The 17th in the table. Um, yes, they've only failed to score on one occasion. But when you pick it apart a little bit, they, they beat Tranmere 3-0. 
um, and Tranmere are a poor side. They drew 3-3 with Coventry. That was a very good result, but they still conceded three at home. They lost 3-1 at Bristol Rovers. We've seen Bristol Rovers not good. They conceded four at home to Burton Albion. Um, They did start well. They did beat Peterborough twice. I'm not convinced by Oxford. Um, I'm gutted because I'm away this weekend. It's typical. I pick one game where I'm going to be away at home and it could be the new manager's unveiling. And it, do you know what I mean? It just hacks me right off. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, I'm not convinced about Oxford for a number of reasons. I'm not convinced about Carl Robinson. Uh, I don't think he's a manager that's heading in the right direction. If I'm honest, I don't think he's a manager that has proven himself to be popular with other managers, which I think has shown in him missing out on a number of transfer targets over the summer, including Chad Evans. Um, mm. He is quite, I say, quite famously, but he's he's frozen out John Messino, um, basically told him that he could find another club when he signed Alex Gorin in midfield, who was a decent signing, to be fair. Um, but I, I just, I don't, I don't like his player management. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm not convinced. They've got some good players. Tarek Fosu is one that was linked with us. Uh, he was at Charlton last year and didn't get a game, but played under Robinson at Charlton. James Henry is a decent player. Cameron Brannigan is a good player. Ben Woodburn um, was a huge signing at this level, really. He went to Sheffield United last year, but he's Liverpool's youngest ever scorer. Um, scored, I think, in a mm. League Cup game against Leeds. Um, but they just don't, don't impress me. On paper... They've got a top six squad, um, and, and yeah. but they they lost Curtis Nelson at the back, and for me they haven't replaced him. What they've actually done is put John Massinho, a player who he was basically said you're not going to play a lot of football next year. He started at centre back on Saturday, uh, alongside Rob Dickey. Who mm, did he impress me when he played for us at centre back? Not massively. He was a decent player, but not massively impressed me. Um, Chris Cadden, there's another one as well. I mean, any, we talk about cheating. We talk about referees who uh, don't really do their job properly. We talk about players diving, conning the referee like Bristol Rovers. The signing, anyone, I'll give you a brief overview. Chris Cadden was at Motherwell. Oxford wanted Chris Cadden. He was out of contract, but they would have to pay a fee for him because of his age or his development or whatever. Uh, and that fee was thought to be around £750,000. That's a lot of money for, for anybody. Um, Chris Cadden then moved to the MLS. Uh, now, I would be lying if I said which MLS side it was. Something tells me it was either Columbus or New England Revolution, but I might be wrong on both of those. Uh, and then got loaned back to Oxford. Now, because he moved to the MLS, the MLS side were a lower grade than Oxford and therefore didn't fall, didn't have to pay the huge fee to Motherwell for signing Chris Cadden. And now he's on loan at Oxford. And it was, it's very underhand. FIFA, uh, I think, have had the case referred to them by Motherwell, who feel a little bit cheated, and rightly so, dare I say. Mm. Um, and it, for me, that typifies Robinson. I'm, I'm, He's not somebody I like. He's not a manager that I particularly admire or have any respect for. And if we are play as we did on Tuesday in the second half, I firmly believe that this is a game that we could win. I think it'll be a thriller, 3-2, 4-3, something like that. I think there could be goals at both ends. But I don't feel that they've taken Matt Taylor on loan from Bristol City, I think. He quite famously made the move from Bristol Rovers to Bristol City. Um for mm. me, not a fantastic signing. I, 
I just don't. It doesn't convince me, Ben. They don't convince me. I don't know what um, what you've got to add. Yeah, it, they they seem like a side at the minute. Um, they they don't have well. They don't seem to have a lot of clout, do they? It's it's like they, you know, they've got a couple of players. They think oh, okay, you know, seem like decent players. I mean, by the sounds of it, Rob Dickey seems to be impressing at the moment. I mean. It's the fact that you mentioned um, you mentioned Brannigan there. I think he's he's more of a defensive midfielder than anything else, and I think he's their top scorer at the minute. So he's it, it's yeah. not like their strikers are, are on fire. So I think as long as we can snuff out the midfield, so maybe my prediction of four four two is is slightly uh, slightly off the mark for Saturday. Um, if we can <clears throat> <laughs> if we can uh, if we can flood the midfield a little bit and try and cut that threat out, I think uh, it could be a it could be a decent game. Um, by, by well, quite a long way. They don't know they don't know who to play in the role behind the striker and um Ben Woodburn started there against Bolton and he had Fosu and Henry on either side. I've seen Henry play through the centre. Uh when they played Coventry, uh Ford was was playing Anthony Ford. Jamie Mackey is often the lone striker and I don't think he's the physical presence. If you look at Matt Taylor, he didn't score goals at Bristol City, he did well at Bristol Rovers but scored I think 60-odd in 120, but you know that was when Bristol Rovers were coming up from um, the National League to League One. So there's there's a number of different levels there. Um, I just, yeah, I like, I, like, I like the central midfield, the two holding midfielders in, in um, as you say, Brannigan and Alex Gorin. I really, I like those pair, uh, but I like our pair of Joe Morrell and Connolly as well. Yeah, and I, I think I saw a stat, and I, I don't know uh, where I've seen it, and I don't know how to get it back. But somebody had put most dribbles past, so the player that had been dribbled past the most in the division, and this was four or five weeks ago, so it might change now. But it was Alex Gorin at the time, and I just I found that particularly interesting um, because he he had really high tackling stats last year, so. Yeah, you're quite right. We've got to we've got to make sure that the midfield battles won. Um, but they play four two three one like us, so it will be pound for pound. And I just think if we are on our game, I think our, our striker is better than theirs. I think our, our defence is more experienced than theirs. Uh, I I just think that we can come out on top. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way of looking at it. I think if if we if we put in that performance that we did um, in the second half against Rochdale, I think uh, we will. We'll come out of it on top on Saturday, so um, that's that's Saturday's game pretty much covered, I think. Um, is there anything else that you want to talk about this week before we say goodbye? Nah, not really. I don't think. No, fair enough. You sound a <laughs> bit you sound a bit down and defeated, Gary. Are you all right? I do, do you know what? I've, it's just been busy, man. I've I've done in talks at North Link, North Links. It's not North Links anymore. At Lincoln College. Uh, the last two days, and uh, it's just been incredibly busy period. And I'm a bit, I'm a bit down that I'm missing the game because, and that I'm going to be away because I think we're going to unveil the new manager while I'm away. I think, I think it will be a great game of football on Saturday. Um, it's one that I would really like to have seen, uh, but we're I'm away, um, and I've just got a lot to do in between now and going away as well. So uh, yeah, I'm not that I'm not down. You know me, I'm always positive and upbeat, except when I'm not. <laughs> yeah absolutely so well hopefully you won't miss too much but um at the same time i'd, I'd kind of like it if you did because i think we're due a thriller at the bank again um, <laughs> <Fuck off>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know what I mean? Um, do in we the play Tuesday night? Way. Um, I yeah. don't know. Is it the? Is it my game is of the Man season United? on Tuesday night? No, we've got. Um, we're we're at home. Yeah, we're at home Saturday, and then we're away Friday because it's Blackpool, isn't it? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it? Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's come around quick, hasn't it? As well. Yeah, tell me about it. It's crazy. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's about it, really. And I, I know the feeling of being busy as well. Like we we've just had, yeah, there's been quite a lot that I've needed to do, including the new jingle. Which, yes, I know it's it's still it's it's still on the back burner, and it's still going to get done soon. So, um, yeah, it, it's not been helped by uh, by some certain companies for the uh, for the games website. Supposed to get a copy of FIFA early. Um, I actually got a code for it, so I was like, "Cool, I can play FIFA um, and get it." You know, get that reviewed and, and played. Got the code through, went to redeem it, and then it wouldn't. It, it wasn't working. It said this code isn't valid. So I spoke to the guy at EA, and he went, "Oh yeah, by the way, um, that code, despite the fact that we've sent you something with an embargo which says this is what you can talk about at what time, um, they forgot to actually mention that the code wouldn't unlock until the game is released." Which, okay, by the sounds right. of it, is is going to be next week because it's um, officially out next week. So, oh, is it brilliant? Yeah, it's out next week um, for like people that want to buy it in the shop. But if you pay for the ultimate edition digitally, you can get it now, I think, or something like that. Nah, what what con that is? Pay me an extra yeah. ten, you can play it a week early. Go to bollocks! I'll play one of my other games. Extra a week thirty early. quid, mate, not a tenner. Extra 30, thirty quid for quid. a week early. I tell you something. Yeah. I, 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 this is off off piste a little bit, but FIFA winds me up because I do prefer it, uh, and I haven't I haven't played Pro Evo yet this year. Even though a, a very good friend of mine very generously generously did send me a code, I, I haven't actually downloaded it. So apologies for that. Um, but I, it just winds me up, FIFA. It really does because it's just it's like this massive juggernaut. And when I was a kid. You could play any one of a hundred different football games, micro pro soccer, sensible soccer, kickoff two, um, uh, three that I can think of, but international superstar <laughs> soccer. But no, I mean, even on the Commodore 64, you had like Emmeline Hughes and you had Gaza two and you had, you just had this massive range. And I just feel that football fans are losing out now. And I know because it's online, everybody's got it, you know, you can't have 10 different games out there and people going, oh, what do you play? Because, you know, even now you've got to play at FIFA, I'm Xbox, oh, I'm PlayStation. Do you know what I mean? To have different games, but it it just winds me up. It really does. And it winds me up as well because the stats are, are rubbish because they automatically <laughs> believe that players who play in League 2 are slower than Premier League players. And that winds me up. I find it offensive that Harry Anderson's pace would be 70-something or six, whatever, because if you add it too high, it would bump up his um, his overall stats. And Lincoln's stats, I don't think I looked at the stats. Have we got anybody over 70 again? This, and I, I just find it insulting. I think Jason Shackle's the highest rated player at 69. Yeah. And yet we had a 71 with Lee Frecklington. Yeah, I mean, I think Bruno thought he was the highest player at 68, which was quite funny. And uh, I had a chat with Toff about that, which was, uh, yeah, quite amusing. And how could Tyler anyway, Walker we've... not be rated at over 70? No, it's a crock of balls. No, that's a good show. I'm not going to play FIFA. <laughs> you don't tell. But... <laughs> 
anyway, there we go. That's our opinions on the uh, on the current football situation. So, uh, right, um, we will see you guys next week. Um, as I say, there's no game on uh, Tuesday night, so we'll see you next Thursday as we normally do, and uh, hopefully we'll have a new manager. Well, we will. Let's face it, we'll, we'll probably definitely have a new manager by Monday. Definitely, um, and. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good album that. It's twenty five years old. Um, but yes, we'll have uh, we'll have hopefully have a new manager to talk about next week and uh, a lot more stuff alongside it. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Bye. Cheers. It's the ninetieth minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.